0: Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
1: Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. This is James Hyman the IV. Hi, I'm Andrew. Hey, I'm Douglas This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. Uh, this is Kevin Conroy. Uh, this is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 12, Episode 22. Today, we cover Batman number 100, the ending of Joker War. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Theo. And Theo has just finished moving, so he's got a wonderful echoey new house quality to his recording, so that's pretty fun. Um, I'm a little upset because nobody volunteered to help. I would have if I weren't half a country away. <laughs> I didn't know you were moving. I wanted to get us started yeah, with a little bit of media consumption conversation. What have you guys been reading or watching in the last couple of weeks since we did our last episode? Um...
0: I have been watching, well, re- I've been re-watching, and my husband for the first time have been watching Violet Evergarden on Netflix. That's really good. Oh my it's goodness.
1: Big. One of my friends on another Discord server is obsessed with that anime. That's his uh, profile picture.
0: It's good. He, My husband doesn't get hooked on shows that easily, and he was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> um, but that's been an emotional roller coaster. Uh So um, I think
2: that's... I,
0: am, I mean, I, I binge I am, anime all the time, but none of it's really worth mentioning.
2: Yeah, I am still getting used to anime, so when I hear people talk about it, I'm just like, uh uh, okay. So outside of, uh, you know, My Hero Academia and, you know, Naruto and all those popular, well-known that's been out forever and a day, it I am clueless. So, you know, every time I hear somebody talk talk about anime you know i quickly try to jot down the name and go look at it but the other thing i have to get used to is all the commercials on funimation it's just
0: well hbo max has a few good ones erased is really good i just finished that one a few weeks ago and then that's on there but um all of miyazaki's stuff is on there all of uh, the ghibli movies are there oh wait hbo
1: max has that all of them oh those are fantastic those are
0: fantastic for,
1: those are for, worth watching for now at least because i know they i know there was rumor that
2: they were looking to get rid of you know sell that
1: off to somebody
0: well i think that's the crunchy roll part of it i don't think the ghibli movies count as crunchy roll
1: yeah because ghibli right. is okay. a film thing instead yeah. of a tv thing so it's got different licensing deals usually Um, Which I'm
0: surprised they have the ones they do because I, unless all the ones that are licensed by Disney aren't on there, Disney
1: sold it. Disney, yes. I know. Get your
0: fingers off my Totoro. I know,
1: right? Um, But
0: I think they bowed out after, right before uh, House on Poppy Hill came out, which that one kind of delved a little into possible uh, unintentional incest. And I don't think Disney wanted any part of that.
1: But it was such a good movie.
0: It was such a good movie. It's so good.
1: Yeah. There was no incest. There was no real incest.
2: There
0: was no real incest. They just, that's the drama, as they thought there was. But
2: anyway, that was really good. My silence is total cluelessness.
1: (laughs) So, Theo, tell us what you've been doing besides moving. Have you had a chance to to read or watch anything?
2: Uh, Well, it's it's ironic. Uh, Again, looking over show notes, you mentioned... uh, the World, Supergirl, Batgirl. I actually started reading that uh, before I was forced to pack stuff away. Uh, and um, as far as TV is concerned, uh, I turned my TV on for the first time in about a week and a half uh, last night to watch the Saints play. And I made it through halftime before I crashed into another world. So I hope to get back to normal on uh t v watching and reading and doing my reviews uh thank you again, Ian, for taking care of that for me of course uh, yeah but the the last the last few weeks have just been really rough with work and moving, and it's just the two of us who did the move, so we had to move my stuff into our place, and then I had to move her stuff out of storage into our place. So it was basically moving two homes in two days. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Plus, we were dealing with a hurricane, too. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep.
0: I was actually, I forgot. that was. (laughs) I saw it on the map, and I was checking the weather. I was like, barf. And I was like, oh, it's not coming in my direction. And then I forgot, because I'm a horrible human being.
1: Well... I um, managed to do something I've been wanting to do for a while because I bought the Dark Knight trilogy on Blu-ray. And so my brother and sister and I sat down and watched all of it in one day. And it was pretty cool. It was the first time I've ever done all three, or even any more than one of them at a time. And it was uh, very cool seeing all the threads that were woven throughout the series. Batman Begins is still my favorite because I'm a heretic. (laughs) You're not alone. It's mine as well. Oh, even score! Though, you know, I, even though even
2: though many will say the Dark Knight was the better movie, again, it's still
1: my favorite. I, I can that's see the argument that Dark Knight is better, but no, not dark Knight. I'm sorry, no sorry, people,
0: again? no, Dark Knight's the one with Joker, right? Yep. Yeah, it's yes. the one most people like because they're dark and gross and weird. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that out.
1: <laughs> I mean, we'll finally get engagement. <laughs> I mean, I I love Catwoman in uh, Dark Knight Rises. I think she's really well done, and I love seeing her and Batman fighting together. I thought that was so cool. But there's something about the thematic unity of Batman Begins that really appeals to me.
2: Yeah, Anne Hathaway was very underrated in that movie, and I think yeah. I, I think a, I think a lot of people were too turned off with how they portrayed Bane mm. to to really give appreciation to how well Anne Hathaway played Selena. I I I enjoyed it, you know. I thought she did really well um mm. in the role. Michelle Pfeiffer still being the best. But I thought I thought Anne Hathaway held her own.
1: Yeah, um I think Just the way she moved her body was very intelligent and really fit the character. You got a lot of just backstory and motivation from the way she moved her head and the way she used her voice. It was really cool. And the other thing, as Theo mentioned, is I was reading some Elseworlds. I read uh, Elseworlds' Finest Supergirl and Batgirl, in which Barbara Gordon is the Guardian of Gotham. And it has a lot of oracle elements. It's written by Barbara Kiesel, who was a big uh, Batgirl writer in the 80s, I think, and then wrote some stuff later in the 90s. And then I read Superman Speeding Bullets today, which is where Superman was adopted by the Waynes. And so he becomes Batman. And that's a very interesting Elseworlds take. And I was was reminded that my biggest problem with Elseworlds is the one-shot nature of them. They usually are either a concept that I have no interest in so I don't read it or a concept that I'm really fascinated by and wish they had a whole series about at least a mini-series instead of just a one-shot
0: that's why zombies in DC is so great it just keeps going and going and going
1: <laughs> that's, that's not <laughs> that's the that's Elseworlds one. that I wanted to see <laughs> but that's why
2: Kingdom Come Kingdom Come, Kingdom, Kingdom Come is still the the best Elseworlds story I ever read
1: Well, I mean, we're seeing a little bit of it with things like the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns universe and the White Knight universe. Um, So they're starting to play with alternate universes a bit more than I think they used to. Um, But I guess we'll see. Uh, We don't really have any comic news that I can think of this week. Solicits are out, I think, at the end of this week. So unfortunately, we won't be able to cover them this episode, but we'll talk about them next time. But, let's get started on reviews with Batman number 100. I am vengeance. I am the knight.
2: I am
1: Batman! Written by James Tynan IV, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez for the main story, Carla Bagulian for the clown hunter story, and Guillaume March for the Joker epilogue. Batgirl activates her clock tower computer and steps into the familiar role of Oracle. As the Bat family fights Joker's army of clowns, Oracle asks the citizens of Gotham to help by staying inside, promising that the Bat family will win back the city block by block. Meanwhile, Commissioner Bullock, sick of the corrupt politicians bowing to Joker, throws his badge to the street and heads out to help. At Ace Chemicals, Batman dodges Joker's attacks and carries Alfred's Jokerized zombie corpse to safety. Joker, in his horrific bat suit, pursues, stabbing Batman in the back. Batman smashes the Batman mask off Joker's face while Joker blows the factory sky high. Punchline sees the explosion going off too early, and the Underbroker informs her that Catwoman stole the money back from Joker and quits. Nightwing leads the Bat family against Punchline and her army of clowns. Oracle hacks through Joker's signal blocker and informs Batman that Joker's clown army is giving up across the city. She tells Batman to take down the Joker. Batman picks himself up from the rubble and shouts out to Joker that the war is over. Joker replies that he's robbed Batman of his bright, shiny future with his bright, shiny new batsuit weaponized against him, breeding distrust and discord in Gotham City and bringing out its ugly, violent face once more. Joker strips off the bat suit and the two fight. Right as the Joker is about to carve Batman's face with the Batarang, Harley Quinn shoots Joker through the eye. She straps a bomb to herself and Joker and runs off, telling Batman that the bombs will explode within seconds. Batman tells Joker that with the suit the Clown Prince of Crime was wearing, Joker has access to gadgets that would disarm the bomb strapped to him. Joker tells Batman that he's going to need to do the disarming himself, thus damning Harley to a grisly fate. Mr. Jane notes that Batman wouldn't leave him to die, as well as leave Alfred's body behind to roast in the flames. But Batman leaves, and the bomb goes off. A week later, Harley Quinn wakes up in a hospital bed. Batman's in the room with her, and she expresses surprise at being alive. Immediately, she asks if Joker is dead. Batman tells her that Joker used the gadget in the Batsuit to disarm the bomb. He tells Harley that he had to bury his father again, and that he commits himself to being a better man, and a better Batman. Elsewhere, the Ghostmaker sets his plot in motion. In the first epilogue, Batman confronts Clownhunter after learning the boy's name and history, Bao Pham, a Vietnamese-American boy whose parents were killed by Joker five years ago. Batman suggests that Bao visit Leslie Tompkins for therapeutic help, and that he will let not let Bao continue murdering Joker's former clowns. Bao rejects the offer. Dead Ringer, um explains that joker fakes his own death by killing a man at the bar and arranging the body to match his own though he doesn't apparently shoot the eye out we learned that punchline is playing the victim in her trial as part of her plan to spread joker's message to gotham and that is batman number 100 the conclusion to joker war but james tynan's run is just beginning so first question is what do you think of joker war as a whole now
0: definitely kinda of went all over. I think there was a lot of threads that kind of a lot left behind. Even in this last issue, like you've got Bullock throwing down his badge and telling his cops to do the right thing and then they don't do anything. <laughs> and then although it was cool seeing him side with Batman, although that's kind of destroyed in tech, but whatever. Uh it was cool seeing Oracle in this one. And then we got like some little banter between her and, and Dick and then that was the end of that and so i don't know i think it had a lot of potential and i i don't think it delivered on a lot of stuff like the bat family came together and they fought but you didn't really see too much of it and they didn't really talk uh i don't know i i feel a little let down i mean it was good it was fine it delivered it it ended (laughs) but uh, i don't know I feel like, I don't feel like it's, um, like, there's a lot of things that he leaves unresolved because he plans on following up on them, like Clown Hunter, like Punchline, like, I don't know, his relationship with Harley, I don't know, Joker not really being dead, obviously, but I just feel like the story could have concluded a few more of the threads, and I don't know if he's going to actually follow through on the ones that he didn't.
1: What did you think Theo? If I
2: if I hadn't read Joker Warzone, I probably would feel pretty close to what Steph is saying with regards to a lot of dreads being left open. But I think based on what we saw in Warzone and what we what we've seen in the epilogues uh, of this issue that even though there's just a lot going on, that the war ends on a pretty good note from a story standpoint, but in a sort of Scott Snyder type of way, leave the story open, even though it's over, um, as he's typically known to do. Um, It was it, it, it was it was a decent story for what JT was trying to do with regards to set up plot lines for others. I, there are a few things that I'm not on board with, uh, particularly you know, Selina or the lack like thereof. hmm I, I mean, throughout the entire issue, not counting the Joker future Selina that's kissing Bruce of the future, you know, Selina's two panels, a panel and a half, and that's it. And, you know, there's more, there's more relationship building with Harley going on than it is with you know the supposed to be you know girlfriend wife however you want to call it based on um, how this relationship is supposed to be with Bruce and Selena Um, but all in all I think that there is time and from what we've seen not only in the epilogues but also in, in war Zone, that you know to have a little faith that some of these holes that were left open are going to be tied
1: up i'd agree i think that the the beginning of the tie-ins sort of was a bit unsteady especially with nightwing and batgirl but then you got to Catwoman and Joker Warzone, and I think that those tie-ins were really good, especially Catwoman. Uh, Well, I mean, and I don't know, I just really love both of those tie-ins, and I think that Detective Comics had uh, one really good tie-in with the Batwoman issue, where they rescued Lucius, and then it was okay, the Killer Croc issue, but that was kind of, it didn't feel very connected, whereas the Lucius Fox Batwoman issue was very connected. So, on the whole, I think if you look at the whole series, it it feels like Tynan has finally done the thing that we haven't had for so long and managed to get his collaborators to work with him to sort of flesh out the story he's telling in a way that enriches the the final experience. At least that's my experience of reading uh, 100. I wouldn't say that this issue was my favorite of the six issues of Joker War, but it was definitely not my least favorite. Um, I think overall, I was more or less satisfied, because I never expected Batman to really kill the Joker, or even try to kill the Joker. I think it's interesting looking at our predictions last episode, with Donovan and Theo and Steph and I all having our own uh, stabs, and I think we all had parts of the truth. I think... Uh, we we guessed, but I'm glad that none of us were exactly predicting, because I would feel a little cheated if James Tynan had the exact same idea that we did and didn't think of something a little more complicated. What do you think is your favorite moment of the whole Joker War um, and in this specific issue? So what's your favorite moment from 100, and what's your favorite moment of the whole Joker War?
0: Oh, I don't even remember. I don't know, it started pretty grim, didn't it? Like... was a lot of Bruce torturing at the beginning um I honestly don't remember I'm having trouble remembering what all has happened but um I mean in this one I mean I'm gonna be predictable and say that futuristic kiss scene between Batman and Catwoman because we've got what is it you're not gonna say the moment
1: where um where Selena looks down and says finish this my love that was no. a great scene.
0: Ugh, that's social distancing encouragement. I was not a fan of what? the <laughs> She's not even talking to him. Like, is she on comms or something? Because as far as I could tell, she was just talking to herself in the darkness.
1: She's with him in spirit. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, That's my take,
2: too. She, She's barf. nowhere near. She's, she just finished off the whole heist with the uh, getting the well, money back and... Yeah, I looking don't think at, she's anywhere close.
0: I think she's looking at something that looks like an explosion. I think she's right there. <laughs> she just doesn't go in. So uh, that made me upset <laughs> that she wasn't involved at all. But that—that's the panel where they're kissing, and he's wearing like that—the new bat the suit, futuristic suit. Yeah. Oh, and I get it now. That's the new Catwoman suit. I th- okay. I like that. I was gonna say because because I saw that on on Twitter and Tumblr and thought. Well, why does she have to change her outfit if he doesn't have to change his outfit? But I forgot that he's got that new blue thing that's really kind of strange. together, a
2: new take on the greatest Catwoman suit ever.
0: It's not as purple as it should be. But at least her hair. She's got the purple suit hair, so that's good. But anyway.
1: What about you, Theo? What's your favorite moment in this issue and in Joker War overall? I have a, a suspicion that we might have the same favorite moment.
2: So... Of this issue, I'm actually tied with two. Of this issue, the first is him coming face to face with Clown Hunter for the first time, mm. and that and that interaction, you mm-hmm. know, has me has me quite intrigued on
1: what's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm a little what's surprised Steph didn't pick come, that one herself.
0: Well, that one's so sad; come come it's not favorite.
1: It, it, it's
2: it's the most intriguing for me because mm-hmm. it, it, again you look at Clown Hunter and you see a kid who wants to do right and it's going mm-hmm. to take up Bruce's suggestion only after he kills a few more clowns. Uh, you know, so that definitely means you know they're going to be buttonheads pretty soon, and I'm intrigued to see how how Bruce reacts to that because this is, this is not going to be a situation like what we saw in the annual of Teen Titans when he's facing off with his son. This is, this is clearly someone, you know, no relationship to him and who has zero problems uh, hacking and slashing uh, people who get in his way. So that's going to be intriguing to see how, how that happens. The other one for me was uh, the scene where the uh, warehouse blows up, um, ace chemicals blows blows up. and the reason why I say that is because, if we can remember, I mean unless he was somehow able to to get him out of there, Alfred's body blew up with that mm-hmm. w- w- within that scene, and Bruce knowingly left the body there so you know knowing that he did that you know was a sign that yeah he he's he's taking Alfred's advice from a few episodes I mean, a few issues ago and it's letting go mm-hmm. you know and and it's moving on so those two were, were quite touching for me uh as far as as far as Overall I uh, think using the word overall I am going to jump over into war and um, highlight my girls you know popping up in their new suits so getting very excited about about what the future holds for uh, stepping cast cast uh, especially.
1: Ooh, it looks like we're not going to duplicate. I'm excited. So, my favorite issue of th- my favorite episode of this issue was um when Nightwing jumps down in front of Clown Hunter and the whole Bat family lines up behind him. I thought that was
2: That was third place to me. Just so you know.
1: Okay, but it's You mean Punchline? What did I say?
0: Clown Hunter?
1: Yeah, I meant I meant Punchline. You're right. But they
0: didn't fight the baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they will though. They will. Um but I just love that kind of moment where the whole Bat family gets to line up yeah. and Jorge Jimenez draws everyone so pretty. This comic mm-hmm. was so pretty. Um, I mean, the whole the whole event was so pretty with art. Even the tie-ins um, were just really gorgeous art all through, and I think that's great. Uh, my favorite moment of the whole event, though, is in 98 when Batman is hallucinating Alfred, and Alfred says, You need to be Batman. You need to accept that you can sometimes fail, pick yourself up and be Batman again. And that moment still moves me so much because that to me is James Tynan's best statement about Batman so far. Um, And of course it leads into the great cape being, I'm Batman uh, moment that's just so iconic. So that is my favorite moment Next question is, how long do you think it'll be before we see the Joker again in a major way? I think we'll probably see little teasers, sort of like the the two issue backup stories that J- Tynan did earlier. How long do you think it'll take before he comes back? Cuz he clearly is coming back.
0: Hopefully a year. I mean, I could use a break and he'll probably show up other places. I don't know. 5 years, that's my hope. <laughs> that won't happen, but
2: we can we can only hope um yeah you know, i'm i'm on the same page I'm on the same page with ian i think there may be teasings here, here and there uh you know i think he'll have some play in the uh punchline one shot as well um not sure about the the series but i do know you know at some point in 2021 he'll be he'll be making a comeback uh when ian Bain. But hit uh, in 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 that arc that uh, j t teased in war zone, but hopefully you know of all of the arcs that were teased, it turns out to be the last one, you know, so we can get a little bit of a reprieve from from the clown Prince.
1: I agree with both of you. Um I don't think five years is realistic just because people like buying joker stories, and d c likes selling people joker stories. But I, which is which is always
2: bewildered me because
1: you hear enough people
2: fuss and rant and rave about the Joker being in Batman and how he's used too much. But the first time they announce a Joker arc or a Joker book or a Joker whatever, everybody's lining up to buy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I what I do don't quite know? understand. I, it might be two different groups: one who's really excited, one who complains. I don't. I don't know for sure you'd have to do like a study to figure that out but i mean you're absolutely right people get really excited about joker and then like halfway through the arc everyone's like oh joker's overexposed i'm like but you were excited before weren't you i'm hoping it's at least a year and i think it really depends on if dc decides to stick with the double ship i really kind of hope that they stop with the double ship starting in january Uh, I don't know how Future State's going to go. People are saying it's going to be like Convergence, where every title's going to have like a future version of it. So so like Convergence, or Villain's Month, or uh, Future's End. Um, So I don't know how that'll affect the whole thing, but I do hope that it's at least September or October of next year before we see a major Joker story again. I wouldn't mind seeing a tease of him, but I don't really want him to be a big presence for a while we were looking at the League of Comic Geeks website to look at all the covers and we noticed that there seemed to be a lot of people who didn't like the issue although the overall score was uh, over eight out of ten so that's not too bad what are your what do you think might people really not enjoy about this issue?
0: well I mean just talking for myself I mean like I said there, it was it was there's nothing wrong with it I just don't think it's a good final issue like I I saw that I was you know not done the issue and I was looking forward to all the stuff that was going to happen and then suddenly we're waking up in a hospital and the issue is over and there's only backups left or whatever they were mini mini episodes or issues um so I was a little startled by how quickly it seemed to end And I just, like I said before, I I just don't think enough of the buildup was utilized. Like Catwoman never really did. I mean, she got the money back and that was cool. But, you know, working on a computer can only be so cool. (laughs) I don't know. And it just, I think it could have been juicier. And it was just kind of dry. It was fine steak. It was a good steak. He used good steak sauce, but you shouldn't have to use steak sauce. It should be juicy all on
2: its own. That's what I think. So, to to piggyback on on Steph's comments and to give JT fair credit, you know, he he mentioned you know in his newsletter that you know at one point in time this was supposed to be it you know, with his run on Batman with issue 100. So it's pretty, you know, from, from that, you can assume it's pretty obvious that this may not have been the, the story, the original story he wanted to tell. He may have wanted it to end differently. Um, I I know that, you know, to, to go on Ian's, back to Ian's question, um, You know, I'm I'm in several DC related, Batman related subreddits, and you know I'm a member of the League of Comic Geeks, so I see a lot of those uh, comments as well. And you know, one of the things that I've noticed, at least amongst those who who haven't taken kindly to Tynan's run, is you know a lot of them are Tom King fans. You know who enjoyed King's run on Batman and, and felt he was shorted by d c by being removed without being allowed to finish up his story in the way that he should have been told you know but it 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 it, it still felt weird reading a lot of comments, because for me, a lot of those comments seem to be just completely opposite of, of the stories that I've read uh, throughout the run, you know, and, and the things that I've seen as far as setup for the future whereas plenty don't see it at, at all. So it, it it is quite interesting to hear in seeing the different opinions that have come out, you know, since the issue dropped. Um but, you know, that that is one thing that I've noticed that a lot of them who who, have been, who haven't taken kindly to this run are uh committed Tom King fans, you know, and, you know, have some scorn, not necessarily at JT himself but at DC and of course since J T is now the Batman writer, you know, and it's the reason why Tom King isn't on the book anymore. He he's getting their wrath.
1: That's a incredibly astute observation. I have a friend who was one of the few people in my comics community who really loved Tom King's run alongside me when a lot of people were negative about it. And he's felt that Tynan has taken a lot of Uh, shots at Tom King's run. Now, I would disagree with that. I can understand why someone would read it that way, but I think Tynan's actually been fairly respectful towards Tom King's run. Um, I love them both. I think everyone who's listened to the podcast knows that Tom King is my favorite Batman writer. But I also am a huge fan of James Tynan as a Batman writer. I mean, i reviewed Batman and Robin Eternal and Detective Comics for a long, long time. And... I really love his take on Batman as part of the Bat family. I love the way that he is really committed to the Bat family as symbols of hope. Even though he likes dark things, he doesn't think that Batman should stay in the dark. And I think that is very important. I think too many writers often leave Batman in the dark. The other main thread that I've seen is that people don't like his original characters. They don't like Punchline or Clown Hunter or Ghostmaker or... I mean we go back to Harper Rowe and Duke Thomas. And I think these characters have been unevenly successful. I, for example, quite like Harper Rowe. I don't really like Duke Thomas, although I think if he could get a writer who really captured me, I'm it's not that I'm against him becoming a favorite, but he has been around for about five years and I still haven't been able to find a favorite story of his for myself. I'm glad that people do like him. For me,
2: would Joe can't get it can't get anyone to
1: appreciate duke thomas
2: i don't
1: think anyone can well i mean it's not that i dislike duke in hill's run i just didn't love him there's not really a story for him that i find as compelling as the story for cass or you know um black lightning and katana i thought those were much more interesting characters in that run in terms of the characters for this batman run i have really been interested in uh, punchline. I haven't been quite as connected to Clown Hunter, and of course we know nothing about Ghost Hunter, Ghostmaker Maker, except his costume, really. Um, but I don't mind new characters. I mean, if you read things like Nightfall and uh, No Man's Land, there's actually a bunch of new characters created. And, you know, The Black Mirror, my second favorite Batman story of all time, introduces uh, three, uh, four New characters. Now, technically, James Gordon Jr. is not new, but this version of James Gordon Jr. is completely new. And then you also had Roadrunner and Tiger Shark and so- Sonia Zuko. like A lot of new characters. Now, these characters often had connections to the past, like James Gordon Jr. or Sonya Zuko, but I read the other characters and they felt really good. And I think that Clown Hunter and Punchline aren't quite as solid as some of those characters, but I think they have the potential, and I think that Tynan is committed to getting good stories told with them, rather than just putting them in things to be cool.
0: Every time you guys say that Tynan is committed, I think of that Catwoman line where she says,
1: "Sickos never scare me. At least they're committed." <laughs> <laughs> <Bye>, I am <Ching. laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So last question, what are you most excited for next issue? Are you most excited for Ghostmaker or the appearance of Grifter from the Wildstorm universe or just more James Tynan writing Batman? Or what are you most excited for in 101?
0: I hope that some semblance of the family stays together. I know Batgirl's got to go back to her book. And Nightwing's got to go back to B into his book. But I kind of hope some of them stick around a little bit, especially Catwoman. Why can't you just come home, Stray Kitty? You don't need to go back to your book. Your book is stupid.
1: <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Her book <laughs> just got really good.
0: Uh, whatever. It's because she's back in Gotham and she's not no in mansion. She's in a stupid house where she's trained. Oh, so, okay, this is changing topics a little bit. But why is Catwoman with her house of. Children, she's training to do whatever nefarious dealings different than the woman who raised Jason in his creepy house of criminal children. Like,
1: well, I mean, I would point at Genevieve Valentine's run on Catwoman, where she was literally a mob boss, but she was using her power that she inherited from her father to try and keep children safe. Like, the reason she took on the mob boss is because. She got involved in the gang war from Batman Eternal that killed one of her children that she was helping. And she wanted to see if she could decrease the violence and instill more of a sense of responsibility and community in the underclass. And I think that's what she's trying to do again here. And I think it could work because Catwoman's always going to have that connection to the underclass. So she might as well be responsible in that way.
2: I guess and, but I just don't understand I I, I just don't understand what what the problem is with keeping her and Bruce together. It it it, I, it, 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 it just amazes me. Now again, I don't know I'm not I'm still not clear where in continuity alley Town is. Uh in the general Batman universe, but it, it just, I just, it bewilders me to know in why, what's, what's the fear with letting Selena and Bruce build and develop their relationship? Because it's obvious that as Tynan's, Tynan's run is going to be moving on, you know, not going to Selena's not going to be there. There's not going to be you no know, Bruce and Selena building that relationship. It, it seems almost as if it's going to be more about Bruce and Harley, you know, because he's going to have to protect Harley from Clown Hunter and everything else that that's going to be going on in 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 the upcoming arcs. I, I just I do not get it if 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 these two are supposed to be soulmates. They're, it's Babs and Dick to the extreme. You know?
1: Well, I, I would we know say that. that I think that Tynan is trying to not step on Tom King's toes. Because to me, every time he uses Selena, he affirms Bruce and Selena's love for each other. There there might be a little drama, there might be a little misunderstanding, but he always ends up affirming their love for each other. But he knows that Batcat is coming. I mean, everyone has known that Batcat's coming for two years now. And he doesn't want to, you know, duplicate what King the kinds of emotional beats. Now obviously he couldn't duplicate it, but you could have that unfortunate coincidence of one week Batman comes out and he and Selena have a really emotional scene and then Batman Catwoman comes out and they have a very similar emotional scene because They're the same characters, even though they're different writers. So there's a good chance that you might have that overlap. So that would be my reading. I don't think he's trying to keep them apart because he dislikes the relationship. Because when he does write the relationship, they always seem really solid to me. But he doesn't want that to compete with Tom King's project. And that's kind of the problem that we were talking about with tom king leaving before his original plan had really been completed and so and then there's this big gap between his story and uh the end of his story in bat cat and that's very similar to what happened with grant morrison and the end of batman incorporated volume one and then the big gap between that and batman incorporated volume two and how that changed the way he was able to complete that story while scott snyder started up his own story um It's really unfortunate, I think, that DC hasn't been able to work with their Batman writers to allow them to tell their story from beginning to end without some kind of big disruption. Um, Scott Snyder was the only one who's been able to do it, and that's because Scott Snyder outsold the other two, quite honestly. I think they're... There's always going to be disruption when big runs sort of overlap. And this, I think, is one of them. I don't find it too upsetting, except for the fact that they keep letting cover uh, designers. It's not really the artist. It's the cover designer who puts a bunch of text about, will Batman and Catwoman break Mm -hmm. up? Because they never do that in the (laughs) issue itself. They They don't break up. But they keep teasing it on the covers, and that does annoy me. But in terms of what Tynan's actually writing, I have no... I'm not very worried about that i can understand why one might be but i think he's committed to the relationship so for myself i'm most excited for just seeing what james Stein is going to do i don't have a particular attachment to ghost hunter ghost maker myself i can't even remember his name obviously um (laughs) I, I am excited to see Carlo Pegulean because he's one of my favorite artists from Batman and Robin Eternal and Deathstroke. Um, he, he's just a, a really pretty artist and I can't wait to see how he does a full issue of Batman. Uh, he did Batman versus Deathstroke, most of that crossover. So, and that was a really cool looking comic.
0: Did Theo give his answer?
1: Oh, I thought he did. No. Oh, sorry. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was piggybacking off of... Uh... Steps many ran about Catwoman, well justified. Uh, I am I am most interested in the Clown Hunter uh, Batman face off when it happens. Um, that's going to be again real interesting to see, considering it's going to be a teenage child that it's going to get under Bruce's skin and, you know, see how he he handles that. You know, don't have any idea of how long that particular arc is going to be. Uh, but since, since it's going to include, you know, Clown Hunter trying to kill Harley, I'm assuming we'll be getting at least three, perhaps four issues of it uh, from a sales standpoint. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see w- what happens between those two poetry consider if uh, we add in Holly as well.
0: I'd be interested dis- interested to see Damien involved with that because Clown Hunter is so like him in a lot of ways that it would be interesting to see Damien struggle with like reigning the kid, but also understanding why and applying that why to his own life. and I don't know, I think that would be interesting.
2: I wonder if there's going to be any mention during uh, his time in Detective, because uh, I know he's, he's going to be making his return in, in some, some form in Detective when mm-hmm. he goes and he steals the black case book from, from Bruce. So I wonder if there'll, if there'll be some type of mention or interaction with Clown Hunter. If not in tech, at some point in, in Batman as well.
1: So let's get to our ratings. Um, we're going to give it a certain number of bat families out of five. <laughs> Scott on the website gave it a four out of five bat families. What do you, my co hosts, want to rate this Batman number 100 issue?
0: have been waffling about this because the art is fantastic. He he, ta- he told a good story. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with the story. I like the setup. Future things to come. And the disappointment about Catwoman is just my personal thing. So that's not really Tinyan's fault at all. But, I mean, he... That was English, by the way. Um, do it, do it. four. Yeah, yeah. Four. Yeah. A reluctant four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: I am reluctantly going to use the term bat family considering the blood air is not present at any point in this event so I am going to uh, give it um, three and a half bat family sans Damien.
1: I'm going to give it a four uh, go ahead okay I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four out of five Bat-families, uh, largely because I think there's such a good synergy between Tynan's writing and his art, and it's satisfying, even though it's not super groundbreaking. But honestly, Batman versus Joker, usually you're not going to get something super groundbreaking unless it's much further on in a run and the writer feels comfortable in trying to do something really weird, sort of like what Snyder did with Endgame. And I think that gives us an overall score of about four out of five Bat families. We'd love to hear what you think about this issue and our episodes. Send us a message at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net on our Discord server, which is linked on the website, our Twitter at tbu underscore comics, or if you're a patron on our Patreon page. Leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes and we'll read all of your comments and reviews on air next. And I promise we will get to it this time because we have a couple we weren't able to last time. And let's move on to our second review, Detective Comics, number 1028.
2: Detective Comics 1028, written by Peter J. Tomasi by Nicholas Scott. A mysterious horseman kills a detective, and Bruce Wayne muses at a funeral at the funeral about the detective's long history of corruption. He also notices the presence of Officer Nakano, the officer from Detective Comics 1027. That night, Batman uses a new X-ray tech to look at the corrupt detective's body, noticing that the detective was beheaded after being disarmed by a gunshot. A corrupt judge is murdered and beheaded, and Batman clashes with Commissioner Bullock over Batman's interference. The horseman beheads a third victim on a motorcycle, and a fourth man receives a call telling him of of the murders and ordering him to meet at the stables. At the stables, the murderer reveals himself as Stephen Holman, son of Jake Holman, who was murdered by a conspiracy of the four. Batman steps in, Stopping Stephen from his fort murder, and then chases the man in a fierce horse race, capturing him with his back grapnel. Batman gives the evidence of the conspiracy to the Gotham Times. Later, Bruce hears Officer Nicano declare his candidacy for mayor on an anti-mass platform.
1: So, first question: How do you think that Detective Comics 1028? features as a Joker War aftermath story.
0: It doesn't. (laughs) I mean, it references that Bullock liked him in Joker War, and now he doesn't. (laughs) Uh, It had nothing to do with it. Short answer.
2: Yeah, short of short of the interaction with Bullock and short of the appearance of Nakano, um, you couldn't really tell that this had anything to do with Joker War. I think Nakano's appearance was probably a more apparent uh, callback to Joker War than Bullock uh, being back behind the badge. So, you take those two pieces out and you probably just have a one-shot issue that could be anywhere in continuity.
1: Yeah, I pretty much agree. I was a bit disappointed that we didn't really see what the new Gotham looks like. It felt like it could have happened pretty much any time. There were some references to stuff, and I did like the way he integrated Mariko Tamaki's Officer Nakono story into his story, but it just kind of felt similar to that one issue. I guess that was actually Tom Taylor, though. Never mind. It just felt like it was not really necessary after Joker War. Uh, I would have liked to see something that dealt more strongly with something specifically tied to Joker War.
0: I think I was expecting anything. So I wasn't disappointed. It was just there.
1: <laughs> I was... Personally, very confused about the fact that they just had Harvey be commissioner again.
0: Yeah, I know,
2: right?
1: Like, why not use that as an opportunity to get Jim Gordon back? I it just felt really weird.
2: And and, and I would also think that this would this has to be pretty far down the line from from the end of of Joker War, you know? Because again, Harvey, Harvey's clearly Harvey's clearly back. As commissioner, Nakano seems to be still recovering, but you know, mostly healed from the events of 1027. So, you know, we might be looking a few weeks after the end of of the war. You know, so I don't know if you really want to call it an epilogue or or not. I mean, considering what we got in that last Batgirl issue, where they clearly had that it was a supposedly a tie-in, and it really wasn't, in my opinion. Um, this one, the, the, the trade dress doesn't mention anything to do with Joker War, and if you can remember the checklist, the checklist didn't have it as a, a tie-in as well, so, you know, like I say, without without the appearance of Nakano and uh, you know the reference to Harvey being back, you know, because could you you would have never known it was a it had anything to do with, with the Joker War.
1: I think that it's possible this was an inventory issue, but it just seems so weird because you had the Detective Comics ten twenty seven, which would have given more time to sort of integrate the story closer. So I don't know. It just it's weird because this didn't seem like a story that needed to be told so much as either starting to deal with Damien, which we know from solicits that Tomasi is going to do, or, um, you know, dealing with the aftermath of Jerk War. This just kind of didn't connect to either one. What do you think of the overall plot of the the horseman who's cutting conspirators' heads off?
0: I liked the detective work. It was a little (laughs) Scooby-Doo-ish because there was the, the creepy zombie dead and then turned out it wasn't. Tell you what, so my husband loves Reddit. I'm sure, well, everyone loves Reddit, but he was—he was reading me, uh, sick—the sickest burns you could tell someone, and and so when I got to the end of this one, I thought of one, which was, uh, Mister Rogers would be disappointed in the person that you've become. <laughs> so this guy thinks he's doing the right thing, but Batman's like, your dad would be disappointed with what you have become. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't laugh, but uh, it, it was fine. I mean, it was. Just, decent solid detective story, bit of a Scooby Doo story. I definitely got I know exactly what you're talking about Ian about the um the Tom Taylor Damien story vibe. Like it it really feels like they picked it off the shelf, erased a little bit to tie it into Joker war, rewrote a few lines and then called it good. Although the the wasn't the Tamaki story guy, yeah, that maybe they just drew him in. To tie that into the story, I don't know, but it definitely had a not related to anything feel, but it was fine. It was a fine. It was a good, solid detective story. Like I, you could give this to anyone and read and say, "Hey, here's a Batman detective story," and they'd be like, "Oh, thank you." It's like Scooby Doo. Yes, yes, it is like Scooby Doo.
2: Yeah, this this could have easily been a you know off the shelf one off to bridge one arc to another, and and you know no one would have paid any mind. The story was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, a truly bad story. I I will say this though. He initially, as, as I started reading the issue, was I the only one who may have thought with the way that the, the speech bubble was, was that this was some zombified dead body? One that horse chopping off people's heads. You know, oh, I totally to no.
1: I I thought he was going it, for like it, a headless it, horseman it, ghost thing.
2: Yeah, you know, and 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 thinking you know with, this is one of uh, Joker's leftover zombies that you know oh. they weren't able to. Because I mean, the the speech bubble was pretty mm-hmm. much the same way, and so mm-hmm. you know, but it, it 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 was okay for a one off again. I, until we see how this thing goes with Nakano and, you know, I'm almost wondering if Nakano loses, because I can't remember what happens in the solicits, but I'm wondering if Nakano loses the election and decides to become mayor instead. I don't know. And it it, it was okay. Yeah, let me just leave it at that. It was okay.
1: I thought the mystery itself, while there was some nice detection in sort of examining the evidence and and stuff it wasn't the the villain wasn't very interesting and the people he was killing weren't very interesting it just wasn't an interesting one and done I like a good one and done mystery but I think if you're going to do that you should do something like the brave in the mold uh, during Tom King's run where Swamp Thing got involved in a mystery and there was this deep connection with the theme of mothers and sons this one's just sort of it's actually also about fathers and sons, but you don't feel very much because everyone involved is so petty and there's no connection to them. So, it was just there. What? It was, it just, was just there. there. Yeah, it, it's, it's very much just there. It's not bad. Like It's not James Robinson's run on Detective Comics. <laughs> but it's... It's not the kind of emotional connection I know Tomasi can get. And I hope that with the return of Damien, we'll start to get that emotional connection again. What do you think of Nicholas Scott's art? How does she compare to the regular artists of Brad Walker and Doug Mankey?
0: Oh, don't ask me to remember things from the past. It's fine. I mean, okay, so I know it's horrible. But the word that kept going through my mind while I was reading this was was serviceable. Like, the art is not bad. It's very good. It's detailed without being scratchy. It's it's fine. It's it's good. It's fine. It's it's good.
2: <laughs> she Scott's art doesn't top Brad Walker. Brad Walker is still of the three the best for me. I would I would I would put Nicholas Scott probably what 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 Doug Mankey did in in his run. If I had to, you know, if I had a bullet, or, well, if I had a gun to my head, I'll probably. Tilt towards Minky. Uh, I prefer Nicholas Scott to just go back to doing her, doing the, the spectacular covers that we've been getting, you know, from The, the Lanterns and Detective and uh, Robin without the Nightwing butt. But um, it was okay, it, 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 it definitely was serviceable.
1: I am a huge Nicola Scott fan, but this issue didn't really wow me. I mean, it was definitely very nice, but there weren't any moments or, or really cool storytelling moments that stood out to me. And I don't know if that's just because I have a difficult time seeing Nicola Scott in Gotham. It's not that she doesn't do dark. I just associate her more with the the richness of Themyscira on uh, Wonder Woman or, or something similar to that. Or, you know, the very... Interesting and creepy black magic comic she's doing with Greg Rucker right now, so I don't know. It just it was an odd fit for me, but the next artist on this I think is Bilquis Evley, who was actually the replacement for Nicholas Scott on Wonder Woman with Rucka back in two thousand seventeen. So that'll be cool. I, I really like Bilquis Evley. Are you interested in the mayoral election and how do you think it'll play out? Basically, do you think Nakono will win?
0: Oh, interested at. At this point, no, I don't care. Could he turn it into an interesting story that I will care about? Yes. Yes, he could. But, I mean, I don't know, I don't know anything about him other than he's anti-bat, right? So that's cool. That's original, right? No one's ever done that before. I don't know. I just, I want to wait and see. It's, I'm, I'm not, I've stopped hoping and dreaming and thinking. I just, I just want to see it when it comes and, and then, and then decide. Cause I can't, he's a new character, right? We we don't know anything mother, about him other than that last little see- bit from the special, from the special, right? Was he the one that got hurt in the warehouse or was he the one that was saving his friend?
2: That's the one who, that was the other cop, you know, the one that got killed by stepping on the booby trap. He was right. the one that said no matter what, he was going to make Batman pay.
0: Oh, uh, okay. So he was the friend or whatever. Yeah, he was, the one he, he who was didn't department. die. <laughs> yeah. He's the one that didn't die, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just I have no opinion. I'm willing to wait.
2: I kinda hinted already at what I think is going to happen. Um I, I do think Nakano's gonna lose and I think at some point that we're gonna find out that Nakano and Mira are one of the same. Um I frankly think he's going to lose simply because you know we've seen most of Gotham mayors be of the corrupt type, um, and so he might just be too goody 2 shoes for the Gotham elite to support, and you know that'll lead him to go down another route. You know that's how we get we get. The guy mirror that we supposedly will be getting in a few walks but I'm also known to be wrong on a lot of stuff as well so don't care
1: <laughs> yeah I, I'm i curious about Nakomo because I think he's a very interesting idea but he's just a uniformed officer he's not even a detective let alone a lieutenant or captain or commissioner so him becoming mayor seems really far-fetched unless we find out that he actually has some kind of mysterious or sinister funding mechanism. So I am intrigued.
2: Unless we find out, you know, in some further issues that, you know, after the explosion at the the, the Wayne warehouse that he gets a lot of popularity from, from surviving that incident. You know, and, and that's how he's able to to throw his name into the race. But it's just, you know, right now we're we're
1: in off-panel land. Okay, so let's give this issue our ratings out of five mounted swordsmen.
0: Uh, this was a very respectable. I think three, three out of five headless swordsmen. Very, it was fine. It's very fine.
2: (laughs) Three headless horsemen for me as
1: well. I have to give it a 2.5. It just didn't quite bump it into recommendable. It's not bad. And if you like this kind of mystery, it's definitely going to be enjoyable and the art's good. But nothing stood out to me to bump it above the average. So that gives us a total of three out of five headless horsemen. Um, Let's move on to our listener feedback.
2: Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention.
1: We had several pieces. Uh, Caspian on Discord for our 1027 review said, Great episode, guys. Maybe it's confirmation bias, but my favorite story was Kings. I wasn't very enraptured by any of the covers, but the Jim Chung, Lee Bermejo, and Abby Kubert covers Are my favorite. Those are excellent choices for both story and covers. Thank you for commenting, Caspian. We always have good conversations on the Discord. On Twitter, I was uh, talking to someone and they mentioned that uh, they were a listener of the podcast. Uh, This was Marvin X. Adams on Twitter. He said, I love the podcast. I hated the King Run and the way you, that was me, Ian, fell in love every issue. I hated that Batman. (laughs) longest three years of my life but i listened because your opinion were genuine so i thought that was a very nice tribute that he listened to steph and dustin and myself through the king run even though he wasn't a fan of the run that's pretty cool uh we also had a brief comment from tsukiakara 1203 and she said yes i get to hear ian gush about steph in regards to the joker (laughs) warzone issue so thank you all for commenting, and if you want to comment, as you can see, we listen to Discord feedback, we listen to Twitter feedback, and if you send us some emails, we'll be sure to read those as well. Our question of the week is: What is your favorite cover for Batman number one hundred?
0: Uh, I think uh, oh, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pick the uh, Joseph Michael Linsner Lind- variant. And that's the one that's kind of the campy uh, Rockwell style Batman in the new suit, and punchline is just leaning up against him, and Catwoman's at his feet with a super exaggerated armpit cutout. I don't think it's quite that, anyway. Whatever. <laughs> and and Harley's there. And it's just it's a cute cover, and it's not dark, and it's not scary, and Joker's not in it, and it's just kind of cute and light, and I like that a lot. And then I also really liked the uh, Lu- Lucio Perillo one. That's all dark and moody, and Batman and Catwoman are on it. Batman's completely blue for some reason. Maybe he had too much
2: silver in his diet. Yeah, sir.
0: Sorry, you can you can have a different reason for liking it. Yeah,
2: for me, my my, my favorite was the uh, Lucio Perillo cover. You know, I, I I know a lot of people, you know, comment how how the suit seems to just be painted on (laughs) Bruce, because he's very chiseled there. But I've I've always been a big fan of Perillo's cover work. He does a lot of cover work for Dynamite with uh, Vampirella and and Deja Taurus. Uh, So I'm a big fan of his, and, and that cover, you know, really stood out for me. Uh, I quickly was able to recognize his work, and and for me, that's that's my favorite. He he does a good take on both uh, Bruce and Selena in that one.
1: So, my favorite is going to be I kind of cheated, and I'm picking three. Uh, I'm doing the main cover because I think Jorge Jimenez's two-page spread where you have Batman and the heroes on one side, and the Joker and the villains on the other side is just gorgeous. I think that... Oh, yeah, you know it. I also really like the cardstock variant by Francesco Matina, where Batman and Joker are locked in aerial combat with Joker fish and batarangs and bricks and birds just flying all over. It's very kinetic, and I really like it. And lastly, I think that the MCM virgin variant by Jock with Batman and a bunch of yellow fire around him are leaping into space with the battering on a rope. Uh, it feels very Black Mirror-esque, and of course I'm a big sucker for Jock's work on Black Mirror. So those are my favorites. Let us know. There were a lot of cover variants for Batman number 100, or if you liked any of the ones we already named. Of course I'll be right, but you can support um, Wow <laughs> Steph or Theo and tell me how wrong I am. You're wrong. Of course. <laughs> I do want to thank our patrons and supporters, Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin-Bertoni, Rob O., Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Theatrice Wright, Ian Miller, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Sam Isaac, and Cody. You make it possible for us to keep doing this, hosting the podcast episodes. And we hope that you will continue to enjoy our Patreon exclusive episodes. We'll do reviews and news commentary one every month, or a couple, actually. We have different teams producing those content for our patrons. I, above all, want to thank you, our listeners. This has been Ian. This is Steph. And this is Leo. And we'll see you next episode for more The Batman Universe.